Hello, <laughs> welcome to Dave laughing <laughs> live on the internet at no cost to you whatsoever. Uh, <laughs> fuck. Right, so let's start off by saying that there is quite possibly going to be strong language used during the course of this podcast, as we've right. just had a nice conversation about, so you have been warned. Um, this is episode two, of course named Electric Boogaloo, because everything episode two is called that. Um, we're just going to go around and introduce ourselves again. You may have remembered us from last time, or you may not. It doesn't matter. So I'm Chris. I'm the drummer for the band Awake by Design. This is the Awake by Design podcast. To my left, you got to be watching the screen. You're pointing the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pointing. I'm pointing at you. Okay, the other way. Oh, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm... What's what screen are we supposed to be watching? Oh, it's because I've got it on Discord. Okay. Yeah. Hi, I'm Toby. I'm the guitarist from Wait by Design. And this is the second episode of our podcast. I am Adrian. I am the singer of Wait by Design. And this is the uh, second of our podcast. We don't have to say that every time. <laughs> I know, I'm going to say it now. I find it funny to say it. So All right, going. everyone's got to say it then. <laughs> say it, Dave. So Dave, go next. It's my turn. All right, okay. I'm Dave and, and I do nothing. Uh, this is my first podcast and the band's overall second podcast. Well worded, Dave. Well worded. Yeah. I didn't even swear. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and demonetized. Yeah, demonetized. <laughs> <laughs> and finally. Yeah, so I'm, yeah, and me, I'm Callum. I play guitar for Rainbow Design. This is the second podcast. This is the second one I've been on. It's Attack of the Clones. Uh, what are the episode twos, is it? Uh, it is podcast two, podcast harder. Yeah, podcast harder. That's it. Uh, I'm sure I'll think of more as we go. Uh, podcast two and the Chamber of Podcasts. Yeah, but uh, Harry Potter's don't have names in them, Lucy. That's the problem. You can't. It can't be. Yeah, cause podcast harder does make sense, but yeah, podcast, <laughs> podcast two Chamber the of podcast Podcasts returns. The podcast, podcast returns. Yeah, no, that's a good one. And um, you could also uh, Revenge of the Podcast. Yes. Yeah. Lord of that the Podcasts, the two podcasts, which works yeah. on so many levels, considering it's the second episode it's of the true. podcast. I'm just gonna just gonna just take step back to Dave. Did you just say Revenge of the Podcasts? I think so. Yeah, that's that's the that's, third that's for next. <laughs> this is your first one you've been on. It's the second podcast, and you're calling it the third Star Wars film. This is this is unforgivable. Typical Dave. That that is typ- Dave, typical. You're, Dave. Such a, you're such a Dave, Dave. At least I'm here this time. You did make it. You did make it. Absolutely. <laughs> Despite some audio issues. But I'm just going to drink from a tiny bottle of Prosecco while uh, someone else says something. <laughs> oh, so where did we um, leave off last time then? What were we, we were speaking about uh, the Carver Sun era, I think. Yeah, we were talking about the history yeah, of the I band. Think, I think we got up to the yeah the kind of end of the um, Carver Sun stuff, really. Yeah. But they yeah. didn't really even touch on the new... We didn't actually get time to touch on the new... No, because no, we started talking bollocks. Before we start, I, I do have to say uh, another shout out to Mark Matthews who made our intro music uh, for the podcast. Uh, it also happens to be his birthday today, so wish him a happy birthday, happy birthday mate. Uh, birthday, wherever mate. you are. It, it isn't his birthday if you're listening to this podcast later. It was probably months ago. Um, <laughs> so just spare a thought and uh, check out markmatthewsproducer.com. I didn't. I can't remember if that's right or not. I think it might be. 
but someone could also be listening to this literally a year today so he might be a year older so that might work absolutely yeah yeah we might indeed be listening back to this a year later and it'll have reached its sixth listen what if someone what if someone acts like someone goes back in time and they've got this on their phone and they listened to it like five years ago today it could still be as bad yeah, that's David, David. wow. David, how much do I have? <laughs> <laughs> I'm really confused. <laughs> I left the universe then. I went somewhere else. We <laughs> <laughs> transcended. Yeah. Uh, we don't want to timestamp this podcast either, which is why I'm wearing this Christmas jumper, and it's clearly June. So mm. <laughs> try and work that one out. And <laughs> just yeah, <laughs> just got a comment saying, "Love the jumper, Chris. Thank you." To be fair, oh, I think Chris is the only one adequately dressed for I've a got Christmas a, podcast this evening, I must say. I've got a, a Christmas hat as well. This is great for an audio experience. It's one of those ones... So if you imagine a, a Christmas hat, it's it's one of those. Um, mm. That's that's all I say. But you, it's one of those ones where you can move your finger the other way and it changes colour and stuff. Oh, you, oh, you do some that um, ASMR stuff now, aren't you? Yes. Uh, welcome to uh, the ASMR AVG podcast. While I yeah. just rub this uh, Christmas hat into the microphone for three hours. Ooh. Thank you. <laughs> See, I mean, there's a bloody good career in that. You can do that. Hundreds of millions of views. Well, there we go. That's the next album. It's just going to be an ASMR album. Yep. Cheap is, to make. Is the carrot like third nipple? Um, I'm going to go with yes because the alternatives yeah. <laughs> are, are significantly ruder. Does that mean we might get demonetized as well because you've got a nipple out? Well, Toby's first word well, was the F word, so we're definitely demonetized. <laughs> it wasn't me. Well, it, it was <laughs> it's 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 a good job that uh, this podcast isn't uh, relying on monetization to function uh it is in fact entirely funded yeah we're relying on the by patreon the, <laughs> the earnings from this podcast will solely fund the next album so <laughs> yeah. um so yeah if you do like what you hear you can support us on oh dear if uh that didn't work as so long as we can afford the toilet paper when we're in the studio that's fine uh, it's patreon.com forward slash await by design if you like what you hear and you can support us there uh, and you get lots of good goodies and inside stuff uh, and stuff like that but yeah I'm not going to bang on about that for the whole podcast and the little ad that I had that was supposed to pop up just ended up being behind everyone's webcams so that one's off the table that's fine right just what? post the link in chat it's fine yeah I will that's that's a very good point we're, we're going we're going back to basics on this one um, so what's everyone been up to what's uh, what's been happening since the last big podcast that we did which was the first one that we did on facebook and then that was was it it like a month is it like a month ago i think it was about a month ago which is it is actually set fingers crossed to go out on all um podcasting uh services next friday but pretty much we did the podcast pretty much before the lockdown and then we've come out of lockdown yeah another one now so, what's so no one's done anything. Apart from yeah. work, not much, really. Yeah. With most yeah. people, I imagine. Yeah. What can you do? Mm. Yes. Uh, getting back to normal, I suppose, isn't it? After uh, mm. all the fun <clears throat> of being stuck inside for 600,000 years. Yeah. Been the strangest year. Like, it really has. Yeah. It's had like weird ups and downs. Like, um, you know, everyone's had their their family business going on, but then like we 
we've been excited about releasing a new album and then it's being a, a musician in a band that can't perform the songs live off that album you've just released is a really bizarre feeling because like you normally would just not necessarily tour like if you get lucky enough to do a tour then brilliant but sometimes you just want to do a few gigs and we just can't promote it or do anything at the moment apart from online stuff which is still great but we need to gig it's like come on covid please we kind of made the conscious (laughs) decision to we talked about it for quite a while the decision to release it during the uh the pandemic and it was kind of uh, i think we made the right call to be honest like we we were going to sit on it it and be like but it it could at the time we were like this could could, could go either way kind of thing couldn't it because it was a difficult situation no no one knew what to expect it's a best-selling album i mean it's been promoted the best and it's had the best sales and mm. i must say I'm, I'm still amazed that by december we're still getting a good amount of sales come in for all for all our merchandise including the album on a physical format so i think it's just amazing because the last two albums we released as this band um the sort of apart from when you sell the the, uh, the CDs at gigs, but about after about a month after the album's been released, the sort of sales online sort of die down a little bit, and you get a couple every now and again. But this one's still going strong, so it's just amazing to see that sort of a response. It's like the the wait, the wait though was like was painful from, yeah. from when we from when we first like year probably like well, it was years when we had the first few songs to when people actually got to hear them. The wait was just. I know you, Aid, you were um, you were just kind of beside yourself weren't you with uh, <laughs> wanting I, people I, to hear the songs i had some of them written since 2018 when when it, it's what we call the luke hatton era of the band because we only have one guitarist and that was luke hatton so um that's that's like the bridge gap between the carver sun era and the self-titled album era so i started writing the songs when that era was still happening. shout out to luke great guitarist yeah very very yeah. good yeah, yeah. he's still doing well if you want to follow him he's on luke hatton music on uh, YouTube, he does all his like solo stuff. He's got a, an amazing Pokemon cover, hasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> he's got quite a million, like millions yeah. of millions of views, isn't it? Yeah, 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 way more than us. So, like, <laughs> he, actually, so. he actually sent me a new song of his the other day, and I was listening to it. It's quite cool, man. Oh, That's good. But yeah, talking about like album releases and such, like what's been quite refreshing about this one, even though it's not, it's not ideal. I recall with Carve the Sun, we were playing all the songs from the Carve the Sun album for three years before we were able to release it finally. You know what I mean? So by the time we released it, we were kind of sick of playing the songs. Yeah. So like, at least this time we're like, we're going to be really enthusiastic to play those songs live because it's like... Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I suppose that that's a side that, that not a lot of people see from from like outside of a band perspective is just how long it takes to get this stuff ready like and especially in the climate today where people aren't really willing to wait four years between albums and they just kind of get turned off a band and and stuff like that and the pressure's really on to release something every year and that's something that we're just coming to terms with really isn't it it's like wow we've got to put the foot down it's the fact we did so much stuff like with the music videos and the recording the album we did so much stuff and it just had to go on the back burner yeah like you can't talk about it you can't show we can show obviously close friends and things like that but no one really gets to see it and then all the stuff sort of comes out at once kind of thing i'll tell you what when you guys shown it to close friends yeah i think the only person i show mine to was my cat (laughs) (laughs) well yeah you're you're gonna show it to your wife and then i went round to my parents house and i said mom dad have a look at this and they're like oh i love it (laughs) 
I think for me, when we released the Come Inside music video and it got out there, it was just like, oh, it just felt like a, a massive weight off you, lifted off your shoulders. It just felt like mm. finally something's out there. People have seen that we've been working on something. <laughs> so mm. we haven't just been laying dormant for all those years, but it's, it was so good to get it out there. But mm. yeah. Well, do you remember those days when we used to be actually quite active and the thing that kept us quite excited was we'd play a gig and then you'd just be like quite anticipating the the photos being released. So you'd come on Facebook and just randomly there's a new photo. It's like, yeah, that's awesome. It kind of reminds you're in a band, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, so releasing a video and stuff like that, it it kind of helps push that forward as well. So it kind of reminds you that you're actually doing something. Yeah, it's great. I mean... Before we just move on to talk about the self-titled album, I think because because this will get lost in the history of a white boy design, I think we should talk about the uh, the Luke Hatton era. It was it was quite a long time as well. It's hotter than the sun. Fifteen, he joined. Was it? I'm terrible with times, mate. I'm asking you, Dave, because no one else was in the band. It was the same year we released um, Carve the Sun, wasn't it? Yeah, it's so I, I was 30, so. weren't I? So that was five years ago, so 2015. 40, 40. Yeah, yeah. 15, yeah, yeah. So, so with, that, with that album... I'm 35, yeah. He's an old boy. So with that era, we did actually have a um, EP that we were recording. We actually had loads of songs that we played live. So one of the songs was written by our keyboard player, uh, Jansen, called Oceans of Hope. And then we had the rest of the songs were pretty much written by Luke. I didn't actually do any writing at that point. So there was a song called Tomorrow's End, which went really um, well, went down well with the fans and stuff. And then that was good. I actually went all the way to Manchester, where his where Luke's studio was, and I actually laid down vocals, and we actually started getting it mixed. But we never got around to releasing it, so no one actually heard that, that, that era of it. So we still there was got- Curse of Progress as well. Sorry, yeah, of course, yeah, Curse of Progress, which Dave wrote, which is actually a really good song, which we could even look at um, bringing back at some point to play live, but yeah, yeah. so I mean, it, it was just one of those things where things didn't work out, and then people had differences of, of opinion, what they wanted to do musically, and then, so that sort of era sort of folded, and then we're, we're sort of onto this one, so, mm. I mean, you can go into a lot more detail with that, but without people hearing the music, people probably want to hear about the new album more, I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> I actually yeah, have so, um... my phone. I Sorry. have a few of those songs on my phone. Yeah, yeah, I do. So you'd send, you'd send me. Uh, you definitely sent me "Oceans of Open Curse of Progress." So yeah, I'm sure we've we've time. got some stuff like that uh, knocking around. Um, well, that's what the EP was going to be called. It was going to be called "The Curse of Progress," and the reason why it was going to be called that is because mm-hmm. it is kind of like what our history is like. We, like this band sort of progresses quite well. We get a bit of a taste of what it's, it's, it's like to play with big bands and do festivals and stuff. Um, but we're just cursed, so it just we lose band members, and then it's back and forth. So that was the idea of mm-hmm. progress, and that's what the lyrics were behind as well for that song. But um, it was only going to be like a five-track EP, but that's what we were working on. But again, because yeah. members left and stuff, it was just hindered, and so it just didn't happen. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's quite nice that we went on to do a self-titled album after that, because it's almost like we've washed away the curse, hopefully. I know COVID's hit us, but... If you think about how much we've done and how much we've progressed, I, I know we did lose Luke Smith, but like pretty much straight away we regained Calm Downing. So it's, it's, there's no curse there, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so I feel like it's going the right way. But every, every band has this sort of thing. I mean, a lot of bands do take a long time to have new members coming in and coming out because it's just one of those things when, when a band's been together for so long. Like we've been together since, what, 2008 officially. It's a long time. And when it's not your income and it's not your living, I mean, 
it's great that you can get a bit of money from it, but it's just one of those things where like you can't do it forever unless it sort of takes off with some people, I suppose. Yeah, people people come and go from yeah. bands, um, definitely. Yeah, it's a long so time be- as well. Like Twelve yeah. years. Before we talk about the new album, because I think on the last podcast you all spoke about how you all got into the band. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, should we just quickly chuck mining very quickly and then move on? Yeah, go on. Alright, cool. So um how I joined the band is um I just come out of a relationship with someone and that person kind of threw me a bone and said they'd found out that this band A B A B D, Awake by Design, were auditioning for bassists. So I contacted the band, they sent me a couple of songs to learn, and I can't learn songs very well by ear, like at all. So I sat down and I tried my best to learn what I could. There was two songs, I came into the practice studio, and um, I gave my best, I tried to be all professional and stuff, but um, yeah, I just don't think I played the songs great for what they were. Um, But I think because I managed to play them in tune, well, like not in tune, probably not, but uh, at least to the beat, and I was in time. I think that's the thing that got me through. So I think, I think, you, I think desperation men- was probably part of it as well, Dave. Like yeah, you, you mentioned, you mentioned two bands, I think, and that was Dream Theater and Fate's Warning. So immediately, I was like, yeah. So you're the Fate's <laughs> Warning. That's where we got that review from, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, I, I realise that we're actually doing this live and on a podcast. It's not just a group of mates talking. But for anyone who doesn't know what I'm talking about now, which no one will apart from this band, but I've never listened to Fate's Warning. I've, they, I've never just come across them. And every review we had mentioned that we sound like Fate's Warning or I've listened to this guy in Fate's Warning. So that's where that came from. But I've listened to them now and they're actually really good. So, yeah. yeah. It's great finding a band that way as well. If someone makes a connection to your band sounds like this band. I mean, some yeah. people take that as a bit of a, mm, uh, no, no one sounds like us, but you know it happens <laughs> but that's that's really good when you go and look them up and you're like oh yeah actually i dig this and it's completely innocent you know it's not kind of like i've that's listened to this band for like <laughs> yeah i've listened to nothing but this band for 12 years and i've tried to be like them it's kind of oh i've never heard of them before yeah, but you can you can hear those bands you yeah can, you can hear that like straight away pretty much oh and every band's got that as well of the, of the ones that all bands try and emulate other bands you know like no one's well, or very few people are day, truly there's original only, there's only a few notes in the music mm-hmm. exactly yeah. so you, not you, many you know you run what out really funny is um most of the bands that we listen to our major influences nobody has said we sound like but like, i when i was writing for that album i listened to i Maiden ridiculously like just too much <laughs> And I just listen to Iron Maiden all the time, and no no reviewers mentioned that it sounds like Iron Maiden, which is great because you don't want that. And I was listening to Iron Maiden and Queen, so it's just no one's mentioned that we sound like them, which was good in a way. I mean, they're both great bands, but it, it's, it's good that people say we sound like different bands that we've never even listened to. Yeah, Queen, I think... like, Queen, Queen was a huge... Yeah. It, does, it might not sound like it on the... Because obviously we're never going to sound like Queen. Like, it's just not going to happen, um, really, but... Queen, like personally, were like a because I'd never been like fully into them um, in the past, really. And like while we were sort of writing the stuff and and um, and doing the album, like Queen became like a huge influence for me personally, like with everything we did, which is, seems really strange. I think <laughs> that's the best that way. Was, yeah, influenced by for, something, and it sort of helps you write your own music for your own bands or your own style. I think that's the best way. I think, but it was never like, like, oh, we want this to sound like Queen or something, because it would be just stupid to do that. Mm-hmm. Like, and we wouldn't be able just... to do it. 
no, because like, no. like, Rhapsody, like a song as good as that, is never going to happen. So, well, like the, the influence probably... from listening to that came from listening to uh, just the YouTube videos where we used to have a few drinks and like it get to a certain point of the night and it'd be like, right, it's Queen time. So the Queen videos yeah. would come out. Dave would just like glaze over <laughs> and be like, no, I'll go to bed now, guys. But I do remember <laughs> it being a big influence for writing Tears for the Fall uh, from our new album. Yeah. So it it might not be obvious for like 99% of the song, but I know like the, the beginning is very kind of uh, inspired by Who Wants to Live Forever. Yeah, um, that you know, was kind of because I came, obviously I came into the band as an outsider, back in the band as an outsider, as an outsider. So I heard the whole album as an outsider. Yeah, basically, so hearing the demos and and hearing the, the final release and mm. everything. And it's weird because I can hear Iron Maiden and Queen, but I don't hear like you know, La- um, is it Labyrinth? No, uh, who is it? We've been <laughs> the no. dubstep artist. Labyrinth. Yeah, dubstep. <laughs> <laughs> Labyrinth. He was very. Good. He was very good. Oh, to be fair. He really annoyed. Man, no, no, there's a place of warning. There's a band that keeps coming up. Camelot. Camelot. That's Camelot. It, yeah, Camelot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Labyrinth. Yeah, I <laughs> I what? what review did you say? <laughs> I don't know, mate. But I just Camelot. I don't really hear that much in in the sound. But I hear Iron Maiden. I hear Queen. But I think it's because I know you. Yeah, yeah. I suppose. I think yeah. that's what it is. I think it's because I know you guys. I know what your influences are. I can hear the influences a lot more. Yeah. But I think other people, obviously not knowing you, perhaps go, oh, they sound like a more modern band. But actually, yeah. I know that you guys are more influenced by, you know, yeah, yeah. The intro is Queen. The outro is Maiden. It's Maiden, yeah, yeah. The harmony, the harmony solo. Well, it's interesting. It's just the. It's like when you when like I took influence on that solo. I'm not not going to not say it, but like I took influence on that solo from Wicker Man, like from when Adrian Smith does the. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I can see. Yeah, that's an interesting fact about. The, the writing of that song which was kind of innocent in a way so if you haven't listened to it yet it's obviously part of our album so if you've got that you can pick it up wherever it's on spotify and all that kind of stuff um but yeah the the beginning we just couldn't quite get it right um and we were like well let's try it at like this tempo let's try it at that tempo and i think we were just like at the, the this point we'd gone oh you know whatever <laughs> and then i think one of us said um what what tempos to live forever in oh yeah who wants yeah, to live yeah. forever in and uh he's like oh it's in 72 and i was like well let's just try it at 72 and no, it was I like said, that's not straight work. no and but straight away boom yeah. it was like that's the tempo it needs to be and yeah just a interesting little fact that didn't really change the sound of the song but just made us very happy and it all just seemed to fall into place after that which was uh which is really yeah. cool. That was that was weird, weird little thing. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's awesome. Did you not? <laughs> no, I don't think I was. No, we were struggling for a tempo mm. for for a while with that with the start of that song. But, it's it's mm. funny how like a, a couple of um, different numbers in BPM makes a difference. Like we tried it at seventy five, it didn't work, and we were going up in fives. So we tried it at seventy, and it didn't yep. work. And slower or fast, it didn't work. But yeah, like just like if Chris we don't go up in fives we <laughs> <laughs> were like 72 that's not gonna that's definitely not gonna work and then wow it worked just weird why 72 i remember chris stressing like because i'm very like i just want the tempo to be absolutely perfect on the song. <laughs> so i remember saying to chris he'd be like we'd play a riff in one tempo and i'd be like it'd be like one i don't know like 120 and i'd be like no, one one eight. Try the one one eight. Try the one one seven. It's been like that for years, though. Like every every release we've done together has been kind of like, uh, can we just try this riff at one three eight? Yeah, 
sure. All right, okay. Uh, can we just do it again at 139? <laughs> like, re-record the whole thing at 139. Yeah, yeah, that, that'll, that'll do. Yeah. <laughs> Perfectionists, that's what it is. Mm. We need to come up with some sort of, like, mathemat- mathematical uh, formula. I, I have one. On the I, have, I have the mathematical formula, okay? Well, it's anything above 200 BPM. <laughs> okay. So X being the tempo, X equals um, 200 BPM, 200 BPM plus. plus N. N equals whatever <laughs> the fuck you want it to be. <laughs> I think Strangers is the only song that goes above that. <laughs> Does... Yeah, maybe. I can't even remember what tempo that is, that song. Oh, I, I can't remember off the top of my head either, to be honest. Uh, I think it's 200. I think, it's 200. I think it was 200. 200? Yeah. It's like... That might be. Yeah, it's quite fast. Don't start doing a click track. <laughs> I think that's a bit of a 105, actually. <laughs> uh, that's a good song, that was. <laughs> yeah, so we should probably get into kind of... How the the newer lineup got back together, really? Oh, the podcast, um, yes, right. We're half an hour in. Let's let's launch the podcast. Yeah. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So podcast let's, episode let's two. From, let's let's go from our two bands, engraved and awake, basically mm-hmm. merging in some kind of way, um, and then go on to kind of the start of the of the new album. Really, try and work our way through that. <laughs> Mer- yeah. All right then. Um, okay, so. Merged. The the era that we had with Luke Hatton, um, it was left with me, Jansen, and Dave. Um, oh, and our old drummer called Chris Wilkinson, another Chris. So that was the four of us. Um, so we didn't have a guitarist. So yeah. Um, so we started auditioning guitarists. This is before um, Toby and Chris even joined the band, rejoined the band uh, for Toby. And uh. Yeah, it, was, it just wasn't feeling right, was it, with the new guitarists that we were trying out? I mean, they're all talented guys, and, you know, it was good to meet them, but it was just, I don't know, it just didn't feel right. And we felt like um, Chris, our drummer at the time, Chris Wilkinson, he had a lot of um, family issues going on, so it kind of was best to part ways at that point. And, uh, yeah, I, um, it was just trying to think of what to do next, and it was quite convenient at the time what was happening with Toby and Chris is an old band engraved to solution so um yeah i'll let you carry on to talk about engraved (laughs) (laughs) well yeah that was uh so that was a band that uh me and toby had been in together for the best part of 10 years um we were just working on our third album um and you know we were doing fairly well it was it was quite good you know and we we were starting to ramp up the gigs and stuff like that um but yeah it all just came crashing to a halt um when our singer decided to do very stupid things and had to leave the band and we won't say any more on that um yeah (laughs) but uh yeah so bye dave at that point, I mean, be, we had kind all, of we had just come off fairness, a tour, and there's a there's a long period before that where it kind of was winding down. It, I think, yeah, it, personally, like um, we kind of lacked the 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 kind of driving just, force. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. We descended into not doing a, a great deal, really, and I think we needed yeah. something fresh to um, 
Yeah, and I don't think it was necessarily anyone's fault. I think we all kind of felt that way. We were just yeah. staying as the band together. It's just we can make some music and, you know, that everyone was really good musicians and we got on well and, you know, mm. it, it, it filled that gap quite nicely of wanting to, to rehearse, but... There, yeah there definitely wasn't a fire behind us like there is now trying to get no, get no, stuff no, done no. and but yeah once once that kind of came to an end we we took a little bit of time off not that long i think it was a couple of months maybe where we were like oh what's it happening fun, it wasn't a fun time to be no. honest for either of us but um no it was fairly fairly crappy it was in the dark times that we don't speak of <laughs> but then yeah when when this came through that uh you guys were looking for uh a well, a drummer and a guitarist. <laughs> we were kind of like, because we were also thinking of starting our own kind of band or project locally. And it just kind of made sense to be like, well, you know, we know you guys. I've Toby's been in the band before. I've played some depth gigs for you before. We yeah. kind of know each other. You know, we've been on tour together. Did we've a little mini tour. Projects, the side projects. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Projects. We were working on that one, that one of the many side projects just before That's we joined right. the band. I can't remember what they were called, but I remember the WhatsApp group had a picture of a cat. Yeah, so we had a band called Everwake and a band called The Phantom of Grace. <laughs> yeah. I know what's going on. This is what happens. Like, if, if if I'm involved with the side project band, it will not happen because I just it just, I just cannot make it happen. It just never happens. <laughs> but I tried two side projects. But um yeah, so it was it was really funny because I was talking to I wasn't talking to Chris so much, but I was talking to Toby more because I knew him better. And um, mm. we were sending messages back and forth and I was telling him what was happening with, with ABD and he was telling me what was happening with Engraved. And I remember when you told me that Engraved had officially disbanded and I thought straight away when you told me, obviously I was sad for you because I, I, I was a fan of Engraved Disillusion. I did actually really like them. I thought the Eternal Rest was like one of my most listened to albums in like 2018 or 17. Yeah, I when, I wasn't, when I wasn't like, when things 14. weren't going great with the band and I wasn't like with Engraved and stuff and it was kind of, I was annoyed with it or whatever. You would be kind of telling me how much you love the band and stuff. It was, just, I, I, I it was like great. you love the band yeah, yeah. more than me at times. <laughs> I think you normally do. Outsiders normally do love it, and then like it, it's sort of like when they say nice things about your band or what you're good at doing, you're kind of like, yeah, do you know what? Yeah, this is good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> get back into this. But um, but I, well, I remember um, who was in the band with me at that point. It was Dave and Luke Smith, who's left the band a couple of months ago, and I messaged them and I said. Right, okay. I haven't asked them yet, but Toby and Chris are going to join this band in a couple of months, but I've got to wait it out, because <laughs> if I ask them now, it's going to be a bit like, oh, what's going on? But yeah, literally a couple of months later on, we um, had a discussion at your house, didn't we, in Taunton, we came down to see you guys, and yes, had yeah, a yeah. chat um, in the afternoon. Um, yeah. Five of us, six of us at that point, because we still had Jansen on keyboards. Yeah, we had Jansen, yep. And uh, then we just started doing this album. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there was a lot going on at that time as well. I remember... Um in the house share that we were in at the time we the first song that we did uh was devoid of illusion and we wrote that in my bedroom <laughs> yeah we all just yeah, sat so around the first and one, recorded the it. first one we worked on was um avalanche but it oh, was, was it? Outside. yeah yeah because yeah, oh, right. aid came down for the very just like the first time of like jamming and meeting up yeah and we just did a did a bit of work on that song mm. um and then it got forgotten for ages like yeah, because then when we realised, um, when Chris started working on Cubase and stuff, and then I, like, I want to get this one, I was like, I want to work on this one, I want to work on this one. And every time we came down, I kept starting a new song with you guys, and I was like, let's work on this one, let's work on this one. I was yeah. just too excited to finally get stuff down. But it was one of those really funny things, because um, 
I sort of like zoned out from music just before this band sort of got back together. So in say 2017, 2018, I, I used to have a really nice um, Roland Phantom G8 piano and then I sold it. So I didn't have a piano or even a keyboard or anything like that. But then when you suddenly get back into music and all your ideas start popping in into your head, all I had was my phone recorder to record them. So I was coming up with riffs, no idea what key they were in. So I was just pressing record on my phone going like, and that is exactly how he had to figure them out. That's how most of the album was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until I got a keyboard, like, what was it? Halfway through recording this album, for demo purposes, I finally got a keyboard so I could actually tell you what notes and keys. I'd spend my lunch breaks at work. Oh, my, all my breaks at work back then would be just going through the voice notes. Being like, yeah, I'll work <laughs> yeah. on that later. Yeah, I'll do this riff later and stuff uh, like that. The genius be- uh, behind the voice notes were the, that he was able to layer them after a while. So you <laughs> yeah. do one, like, and he can not only layer them, but he can do drum beats as well, and then sing over it. Yeah, crazy. So you'd have like a wall, a wall of aid noise, like a wall of aids. It was like a cappella, but an actual band. But yeah, so what I did is. I had my wife's phone and my phone. I'd record the rest of them. I'd be like, I don't know, say the voice. I'd be like, then I'd press play on that one, record a voice note on my wife's phone. <laughs> and then I'd try and record it again somehow and do like some singing over the top to show the guys what they uh, what they were listening to. But um, imagine how hard it is for trying to figure out um, someone going, oh, can you figure out this riff? Imagine how hard that would be for these guys to figure out. So Toby had to have a lot of patience with me because he was the only guitarist that was figuring stuff out at that point. Because um, the way it just worked is I would go down to those guys to record it, but it was just so funny. But after a while, you know, I got my I got my piano, which I've got that I've used for streams and stuff and to record on the album and stuff. So got that again now. So I could be like, here it is, guys. Here's the, the keys and stuff. So it was a lot easier in the end, halfway through the album. <laughs> Yeah, well, we kind of started, it, it, you'd always kind of, a lot of stuff was meet up, jam, write the song kind of stuff. And because of the distance, I think we've just spent a long time working on being able to, each of us being able to record at home and send stuff between us. And because we were doing 13 hour sessions when you guys came down like to ours. Yeah. And we'd, we'd just go throughout the day, throughout the night, just record, 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 like for the demos. And like, yeah, it, it would be start at 10 a.m finish at like 1 a.m or something like that the next day and then do another day the next you know do six hours the next day before people had to go home and stuff and <laughs> it was just crazy like <laughs> I, do, I do find that when um it's always good to have like um when we recorded with carl groom for example it was like 11 till 7 in the evening but i suppose find that as a musician because you think about it when what the time you do gigs it's quite late in the evening normally like eight o'clock onwards it tends mm. to be um, I always feel like I'm better with imagination for riffs and working on music as you get from like eight o'clock to about one o'clock in the morning. Although like when I'm in my normal lifestyle, I go to bed at like 11, between 11 and 12. But when you're with your, with your friends and stuff and you're working on your music, you can really get into it. And sometimes you don't even know how long time has gone past and it's before you know it, it's two o'clock in the morning. It's a bit different for Chris because he, he'd be sat there looking at the system recording music for us guys we were like yeah let's, let's work on this let's do vocals next and this like, chris chris went through chris went through a lot of stuff oh fuck this this the, is before i realized i needed glasses as well <laughs> so i'm and a new and a new chair and a new oh fuck's sake. that was so funny when you broke your chair 
I, that picture came up the other. I don't know. I I can't get it up on the stream. The stream at the moment. Maybe we'll we'll post up this kind of stuff in the Patreon afterwards or something in the feed, just as random podcast stuff that only Patreon subscribers will understand. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was sitting on a chair, much like this one. This is why I've got this one. It's just you know, leaning back, you know, just as you do, and then one of the legs snapped off and I fell on my ass, like in the middle of a room with people all around me, just. Uh, straight on my on my ass <laughs> and then of course everyone just so broke funny. down laughing and yeah but there's maybe you know, two tiny screens like just funny. squinting like let's let's mix this i can see this one it's fine like now it's you i've bought a bigger fact, screen <laughs> you consider the fact that you have gla- you need glasses now is because of these 30 yes. hour sessions on tiny screens i have yeah the, the, i'll give it a few years and uh, if we do well there'll be a lawsuit coming over all right so yeah i, I t- totally understand <laughs> And these where there's blame, there's a claim. These Sorry. are like 13-hour sessions where Chris is trying to concentrate and we're drinking, yeah. screaming, oh, yeah. shouting, like doing all sorts of stuff behind him. Yeah, and I'm just there ripping like, my hair out like, fucking... It was fun for us. So for Chris, I imagine it was a slightly different experience. I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get to play. I had to program my own drums. And that oh, I didn't yeah. get to touch when an you, instrument. When you'd, finish, when you'd finish the session and we'd go and drink, you'd be so tired that you just would like go to sleep. I just like. chuck everyone because we used to. Re- it was my room where like all the recording stuff was set up. So I'd just chuck everyone out and go to bed. <laughs> be like, you you go downstairs and party. I'm going to sleep, man. Like, so that's led me to now build a studio where I can separate all this stuff. Yeah. So that's really yeah. cool. So yeah, it all came around good. Sorry, Dave. What you what you going to say? This this one is your bedroom, isn't it? Yeah, the new one. Ta-da! Yeah, yeah. So when you bought that chair, I noticed, like, because I, I can get quite tired when I'm just sat there doing nothing, and I was behind you whilst you were mixing a load of stuff, and I noticed the two holes are the perfect like positions to like do a stealth tickle. <laughs> you turn around, like, Make sure still turn like, around in your chair. Recording. See that stealth tickle. <laughs> <laughs> It, it took so much to stop myself from actually tickling you. Cheers. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm glad you didn't because uh, I, right. I was just, you know, wet myself. That's my defence <laughs> mechanism. It's just instantly urinate. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's get back on track. <laughs> what were we talking about? I don't uh, fucking so what, was the, what was the timeline from starting oh, the demos? Uh, we were kind of doing the occasional gig in, obviously. Um, yeah. While we were writing the album, of course. Yeah. Um, did you play any of these songs at the gigs you were doing at the time? Just to sort of. Yeah, we did actually. Yeah, demo. yeah, we played. Uh, yeah. I believe we played Tears for the Fall. Yeah. Um, Aval- um, this Avalanche, a few gigs. Okay. Um, the first Strangers. Power Quest, Strangers. Power Quest in Sheffield. Yeah, we that definitely, was definitely. Um, we definitely played a couple of. That was the first gig with this new lineup um, with uh, Jansen on keyboards um, before we put keyboards on a backing track. And uh, we played the first half of As Strangers Divide, which is track 10 off the self titled album, because we we hadn't finished the rest of the song, so we only had the first half, and we played that live. And the first time we played that live, somebody in the audience came up to us afterwards, and he said, I love that first song. It made me feel physically sick because it was so loud and fast. That was quite good to hear. Um, and then what else did we play? There was we played two songs off the new album. It was either this Avalanche or Devoid of Illusion that we played. Yeah, yeah. Which um, which show was that? 
Um, uh, Sheffield quest. with Power Quest. Yeah, uh, yeah, did, we definitely did tears. So I remember doing that, mm. and that was before we played to a click track, so everything was really, really quick. <laughs> yes, I remember because I was like, "Oh my god, I'm singing that high note, and it's gone really quickly, and it's come back again." I was like, mm. "Here we go again." <laughs> I need my breaks. I need my breaths. Um, and then the second gig that we played stuff at was Hard Rock Hell Festival. Um, yeah, we played quite a lot off the new album for that one, didn't we? Well, I say a lot. We had like a what thirty minutes uh, set, so we played three or four songs. Yeah, I think I we think... did Strangers, Devoid. Yeah. We opened with Strangers. I remember that. Yeah, that was that was really cool. We have, have we played, and then we played um, a local pub to to Dave in Wolverhampton. But um, although I live in Gloucester, I, I I consider it like a local kick as well, weirdly, because the band sort of originated in Wolverhampton when we started doing the Carver Sun sort of era. So it kind of feels like a hometown hometown gig. But we played the Gifford Arms and we headlined it, uh, didn't we? Did we headline it? No, yes. no, yeah. no, no, no. Okay, we did. And um, we played. We played. Well, that good. The Coming Tide, we played The Coming Tide, that was the first time we played The Coming Tide live, wasn't it? Don't, don't, yeah, less said about that for the better, but that was our kind of uh, test gig with the new equipment and playing all of the new, so the whole set was new album material, uh, unreleased mm. album material, and we were like, you know, this, this is going to be our kind of testing the waters kind of gig, and everything that could possibly go wrong went wrong with that gig like all the equipment broke uh like the sound I, didn't I, work i and... remember this. <laughs> i had a mental breakdown me WhatsApp message. <laughs> <laughs> it sent me a message saying everything's gone bro <laughs> everything's broke. with an lol after it and a little smiley face <laughs> Oh, I've probably still got it. Finally got it sorted though. Chris did get yeah. it sorted in the end because um, we were playing for backing tracks, so we had everything in our in what's called in our monitors, and um. I remember um, the vocals being and the music being completely out of time with drums. <laughs> and no one knew who thought it was because the backing track was out of time. So I remember I've got backing vocals playing live with me at the same time as me singing. And uh, I remember I finished singing and the backing vocals came in. I was just like, huh? That <laughs> was... Out of time here. Like, what's going on? <laughs> I think that was because there was something wrong with the mix. So everything sounded okay yeah. until you started singing. And then it was yeah, like yeah. 800% louder than anything else. So you couldn't hear the click track or the backing vocals, or I couldn't hear the guitar. I couldn't even hear my own drums. So I was just going, ah! <laughs> and then by the time I finish, and I'm like, then I hear a counting that comes in after I've already started. And I'm like, well, we're about three bars out. Uh, how are we going to get back? <laughs> oh, it was, it was just. I think the rest of the set was all right, but it was just that first song went so badly, and then I think we started on the wrong chords for one of the songs as well, and like we all just kind of looked at each other and went, "Oh, uh, make yeah, make it great. end." That, that was we started four to victory, and our old guitarist Luke, Luke Smith came in on a completely wrong chord as the first chord of the song, so it just went. It sounded like a really like dissonant chord. It just went like. That became quite a like a long-standing joke in the band, didn't it? Just yeah. starting that song like wrong on purpose. Yeah. So I see the thing is the worst thing I've ever done at a gig. So I can I can top all this, right? Okay, I'm not gonna just to blow my own <laughs> trumpet. But I I played the, I started when I played Wacken a few years ago with mm. uh, Metaphorism. Mm. I played I started the song and it was the wrong song. <laughs> oh, I've done that. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, I played it for about. Eight bars. And I was like, <laughs> hang on. All right, hang on a second. This is not the right song. This is a fucking wacker in front of thousands of people. I played the wrong fucking song. This is when you just go, uh, yeah, we're a prog band. It's meant to be like that. Yeah, and I was yeah, like, oh yeah. my God, that's amazing. <laughs> that's hilarious. You never Did anyone notice? 
It's on. It's on. It's on. It's immortalized on YouTube. So if you want to have a YouTube. Right, we're going to find it's out. It's on YouTube. <laughs> can you can you drop a link in the uh, in the text box? I'm not doing. I'm not. No. 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 You got to go and okay. find it. You got to put the you got to put the legwork in. Yeah. If you want to find it, Dave, you can see. <laughs> Thankfully, the link was so bad. I fell very well, but I it was bad. I remember I remember being mortified. <laughs> I was absolutely mortified. I think that's hilarious. That does actually top playing the wrong chord because at least you're playing the right song, just the wrong chord. Yeah. Well, any, any, like the wrong song completely. Anyone else top that? Anyone? Any other uh, worst experiences from live uh, shows, past and present? Yeah, I can top that. Go on, then. Go on then. You know what I'm going to say. Yeah, I do. Our album release show for <laughs> Eternal Rest. By uh, the, first note, the first note I played, I break the bottom string. <laughs> All right. And then my backup guitar was uh, something was wrong with it, so I didn't play. I just mined the whole set, pretty much. <laughs> oh, that was that was hilarious. Still, though, probably one of the best gigs we ever played. Yeah. Somehow. Maybe Chris's old band in Grave Dissolution. Oh, mm. wait, what is that? Amazing. If anyone's looking yeah. for it, oh, another album, what is But look for it, actually. In Grave Dissolution, it's on arrest. It's a good album. Like it's a really yeah. good album. Available on all reputable streaming. It's one of those sorry. one of those moments where I was like, um, it wasn't that long ago when I changed the guitar string, so it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Dong! <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> Get the backup guitar out, which for some like reason... Really long sound. It's <laughs> ironic, isn't it? Because we did a really long sound check as well, and it happens to be the first <laughs> note when you actually need it. To be okay, <laughs> but you for some reason you'd bought like your oldest guitar along as a backup guitar that was just like in a bag, like not like a ready tuned, restrung one, it, and it was just kind of like yeah. Moral oh. of the story is don't get nostalgic before an important gig. No, no. And I was like, oh, this sounds terrible. What's going on here? Yeah, I, so I, I remember that gig, gig sorry, we played. Sorry, sorry to sort of keep on the gig. You know the gig we played at Robin too. Do you remember the headline yes. show we did? Yeah, and we didn't play. We didn't play a note for half an hour. I can't re- I can't remember why it went wrong. Something piano. like the, um, the piano. Nick, the uh, keyboard player at the time, and the uh, cable broke somehow halfway through mid set. Even though the cables don't really move when you're playing a keyboard, mm. so it just went and went out, and that was that. So I, I just went because I was just already annoyed anyway because of everything that went happened. And I, just, I, I had a bit of a deep drop at that point. I just went and sat backstage. I was like, I'm had enough. I always used to get um, my hair caught in the headstocks, yeah. uh, like uh, uh, the pe- the other guys' guitars. That was painful. Do you remember mm. when I was? Um, I don't know why, but I played in the early days. So back in 2009, 2010, when we were recording Sentiment and stuff, we played live in Taunton at the Perfect Fifth, and I was playing sentiment the piano live because we didn't have a keyboard player yeah, this was before um we had a proper keyboard player live and i was playing sentiment live and it was the outro so anyone that knows the song sentiment at the end it does the piano bit available on bandcamp available on bandcamp <laughs> and uh, yeah I, I played it and like um i was finishing and i was doing the last bit like the what's called jumping arpeggio octaves which at the end you just go like do 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 you keep going up and then you do the last note and you go bum instead of hitting the right note just did the wrong note completely. It went boom. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like boom, boom to get to the right note. And it was oh, because at that point, it's just me on piano only. So everybody in the audience is watching you. And I just, I just but that wasn't my fault that that was because the venue went really dark because the perfect fifth in Taunton is always quite dark, isn't it? And I'm trying to look for the black keys. It and was, I'm yeah. like, where is it, man? And I was just like, boom. No, it's not that one. Boom. Oh, we're playing live. That's the only thing I've done. And so, I have missed um, I've completely forgot to come in with vocals once. And that's actually live on YouTube somewhere on Sentiment. It came, comes back into that song again. It comes back into the second verse. 
And when it comes to me, the chugging, I just completely forgot to come in with the, I replace my home. And it's just like, dead, dead, my home. I was too busy running out in the audience trying to touch everybody. So, Fair enough. Yeah. I feel like I haven't contributed towards this worst thing, but I can just say that I'm a bassist. So therefore, you know. Dave's yeah, like, really I, I played one a one note, one yeah. semitone out at a gig when I was 12. It was so embarrassing. Has anyone ever, has anyone, has anyone of you ever, apart from Chris, obviously, has anyone of you ever nearly fallen off the stage? I, know, I have. In my <laughs> I have. Before you were in the Banto, um, mm. it was, we were playing at a venue called the Well Sharp in Gloucester. And um, I remember like, I ran, jumped over the front monitor, tried to land into the audience, but someone had spilt their beer on there. So I ran, jumped over the monitor, whoop, bong, straight on my head, straight on my ass. <laughs> I was still screaming. I was still running. Still carried on. Yeah, you got to carry it. Yeah, you got to carry, carry on. But um, it was just like straight away. It wasn't like a, a land and then fall over. It was like, because yeah, it was just a land and then whoop. <laughs> but, well, I always used to have I've, it where um... you put your foot up on the monitor and it's like, if it's not secured really well, yeah. it just, just gets get, kicked. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I've, I've had it. I've had the one I've stood on the monitor and the monitor. I've been, they've not come close to falling off stage. It was quite a long way from the front, but the monitor wasn't fixed down. Like, yeah, but it was, a, it was like a, it just did this. Yeah, I hate that. <laughs> yeah, I've done that. <laughs> so, um, I've had a couple, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, Talking about through your list oh, now. What, yeah. You're sat down. Oh yeah. I've fallen off the stage before. So, uh, <laughs> More than once. The well, <laughs> there was one gig. It long, long. It was one of the the first gigs I think at the Cobblestones in Bridgewater, if uh, if anyone knows of that one. And there's a kind of, I don't even know if it was there at the time. But there's like a curtain where the stage is uh, risen, you know it. Yes, and then you know a drop to where I the backstage remember. area is. And of course, I just kind of like get up and step up, and then just fall down the back of the stage, and I've gone. And this this has happened at more than one venue, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, like just misstepping because you know, like behind drums and stuff, it's quite close quarters. So if you put one foot in the wrong place when it's dark, you're just like vroom, straight through the f stage. You're gone. That's it. Um, mm. Obviously, drinking heavily beforehand isn't advisable, but usually happens. Um, <laughs> I've fallen off my drum stool a few times as well at the Perfect Fifth in Taunton as well. Another shout out I to remember that. I remember that. To the end of that, just like being like Whoa, at the end of a song, like pissed as anything, and then just going to sit down and then just disappearing in like a flood of sticks and cymbals as I fall into my drum kit. <laughs> just be like, Whoa. and everyone's just like. <laughs> just like solemn clap as i'm like thinking we're playing in front of like 600 people or something when it's just like four people at the back completely not engaged <laughs> those were my friends um yeah <laughs> and then there was another one where my arm nearly fell off just halfway through the last song and i just got up and went home um, yeah, he just rat just ran. <laughs> so we were just playing, and then something happened. I don't know what. I think this is when I'd played like three gigs in two days or something stupid like that. And um, I, I was on the second set of the night, and it was the last song, luckily. But my arm just kind of went like that. Seized up, and I was like, I can't move my arm. So I'm like, just <laughs> you know, deaf leoparding it the best I can. But you know, this is like melodic death metal this isn't like acdc so i'm just like <laughs> and then like after a couple of minutes i still can't move my arm so i just kind of make the you know decision to be like i'm out and just put my sticks down and went i'm going guys and walked out of the venue yeah. like 
And they were like, pack any of his stuff away. Just went home. <laughs> that was it. Yeah, I was gone. That was it. I, I came back like the next day and was like, where's all my stuff gone, guys? But yeah, I pulled a muscle or something and yeah, it wasn't wasn't great. Um, and then there was the time my double pedals fell apart down at the cavern in Exeter, which, to be honest, I was quite happy with because we, we did a medley um, and we had played like some why we thought this was a good idea but we had done like a cover of motorhead uh and me- molded death it leopard. together with deaf leopard and iron maiden judas, judas and judas priest, priest. And like this is this is a, a melodic death metal band so it's all screamed there's there's no there's no singing vocals in this and oh, we've chosen God. bits of all the songs where there aren't any vocals so it's just this horrific mix match of songs that we haven't learned properly that don't fit our style that we haven't really done much to change and then at the end of it my double pedal just snaps in half and i looked down at it and i was just like i'm going home we just left that was it i was gone packing up well three in a in a 10 10 year career like that's that's probably about it <laughs> But yeah, it's uh, what can you do at that point? Well, my in time? stage issues are like, yeah, my stage issues are quite continuous. So it happens all the time, and it's going to happen in the future as well. You might even notice it. But whenever I windmill for like an extended duration, I lose my balance mm. and I almost fall over each time. <laughs> you have to take that step of when that trust. Like, so I'm just going to get. Let's see you just windmilling, and I'm just going to go like this. I'll <laughs> do it. I'll do it. <laughs> That'd be amazing. I, I'm I'm always falling about it somewhere because because I'm running and jumping around too much that sometimes I forget like I haven't like especially if I haven't been on that stage before you don't know like where it dips and stuff. <laughs> Hopefully it's flat across the board. I um, think we should talk about what you what you used to do when we first started playing. Really, you just do like <laughs> like know. Calvin knows what I'm going to say already. You would yeah, like do. as soon as the set would start, you, you would just... be off the stage. <laughs> oh yeah, and like doing yeah. laps. Like literally just doing laps, yeah. like singing. There's more room on stage at least. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. running around. Well, that's because I got so fed up of not being able to run on stage. I wanted to jump off the audience, but yeah, it was quite. Um, I, I think it really like some people didn't like warm to it, but I think I, some people really, really stuck with them because I remember seeing a guy who he worked with the um, Touchstone bands and uh, he um Touchstone band and he um he saw me a, a couple of years ago and he says, "Oh, do you still jump off stage?" And I was like, "Yeah, a little bit if I can, but uh." Just depends on what's going on now. And like, I realised if I keep doing that, that the microphone that I use feeds back, so we don't sound good if I keep running off stage. So I so said I still do it, but not not as much as like jumping off and going out into the audience for the whole duration of the set. You still got we got to be on stage for most of it. And he was like, oh, cool, fair enough. But he's like, I like that. But I enjoy doing that because um, I always think like when you go and see a live band, you want to um, you want to see a performance. You know, yeah. if, if a singer makes yeah. a mistake or the drummer makes a mistake, you know, whatever, I want to see them perform. Um, so if, if you're there and you're just stood still hitting every single note perfectly it's like great well I can listen to that on the album I want to see these guys do something a little bit different so I still run about and go, and go crazy definitely I still do everything that I used to do um, but I'll always put the performance first and it's got to be a must but um, I, I just can't wait to get back out of gigs I just really want to do it now you know get back out there play these songs that people know finally as well from the new album which we should probably get back on to talking about this new album oh yeah <laughs> Oh yeah, the album. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, the demoing process. <laughs> oh uh, yes. Yeah. So halfway through um, doing the demos, and um, 
So although I was writing the songs for the album and I was technically coming up with the keyboard parts, what I would do, because at the time we were writing this album um, and getting the songs built properly, we actually had a keyboard player, which as everyone probably knows by now, was Jansen Sissons. Halfway through the album, um, Jansen left the band because he moved far away so and he doesn't drive, so it was just too difficult to be in the band anymore. So then I had to pick up proper keyboard, keyboard duties. So what I was doing at the time is if I was coming up with keyboard parts, I would keep it very chordy very chord based very simple so that our keyboard player at the time Jansen would come up with something a bit more elaborate and a bit more of a proper lead keyboard um, um, part should we say hmm. so I, I had to then write, rewrite all the keyboard parts or come up with new keyboard parts for it and I really enjoyed that because I haven't put keyboards down on an Awake by Design album since the Sentiment album which was our first album so I know it sounds like it's not been that much time since it's happened because we've done three albums but that was a good 10 years Long and I've not recorded yeah so I really enjoyed that because I love writing keyboards. I love playing keyboards. I play piano myself as, you know, I'm a pianist. I like to do that sort of stuff. Um, so it, it was great to be able to do that. And then have a song that was specifically just piano and basically strings, apart from when all the guys come in at the end, um, The Unspoken Truth uh, on the new album. That was that was great to do as well. So, yeah. And Jansen did play a huge part in, he had a massive influence on the album, definitely. Yeah. Right. In the sound, the sound of the album. Hmm. and he, uh, he's, st- he's still on there he's on so there's 13 tracks on the album i believe he's on three or four yeah without looking at the album right now i can't remember so jansen wrote um our strangers divide with me personally i think our strangers divide to me is basically jansen's song i just wrote the last half where there isn't any vocals um so you've got so he wrote the intro verse chorus verse chorus bit which is the bulk meat of the song best part of the song and then you've got this sort of a bridge sort of interlude type thing and then a guitar solo so i wrote that section but he he wrote that and i think it was brilliant i think absolutely phenomenal work he did with that one um he's on bits of hand of a thousand fates um he he did the strings intro on empire and then i did the rest of the keyboards on that album so he avalanche as well he's he's played a pretty big part in. Yeah, it was an uh, this avalanche as well yeah so he, he he did great and it was a shame to see him go but it was just the right the right thing for him to do at the time really and we couldn't argue anymore and the reason why we decided not to replace him um with another keyboard player is because we were already talking about having keyboard on a backing track and if Jansen stayed in the band he would have done his lead keyboard bits and we would have had more orchestral backing so the reason why we didn't decide to to replace him is because we we put all the keyboard parts that I've played because I, I I will play everything piano and keyboard. We just decided to have it on a backing track and free up more space on stage. I think and there's a reality in it as well that um, keyboard players, especially keyboard players who are as capable as Jansen is, um, you're not going to find. You know who wants to who wants to do a band that. And that's exactly that... was our exactly our mindset with it was like finding someone that's yes you can find someone that's good at keyboard. But finding someone that's good at keyboard that's into metal and wants to be in a metal band <laughs> is so hard to find. Mm. It's it's insane. I just find because it, it, if I couldn't if I didn't play keyboards, I think that's and, a big big factor, isn't it? Yeah, and and, and I think if we were just going to program the keyboards, then that would be a bit different. Mm. Um, because I mean, I I, I don't know what um, people listening's opinion on that is, but I'm not a massive fan of programmed keyboards because if I hear something. And it's not being played. I feel like it's a bit of a cop out. Um, it's the same I don't program done though. Because like, no, I, I, I think any programming, and this is my opinion now, like, for any program stuff, you remove some of the humanity from it. 
Yeah, and it's just it's just and you can t- and I, I I certainly can tell if I hear program drums I can tell they're program drums mm. like program and it's the same with keyboards it's like if you hear key- program keyboard part I mean programming stuff's great for demos but I think for a live yeah. album for, for to really make it a good quality product you have to have that you know I think again there's an advantage as you say that you're a pianist so mm. it wasn't it just meant we had to, you have <laughs> to go to that backing track element pianist. it's a big point of contention isn't it like i I know plenty of releases that sounded insanely good that have got like samples and and drum it's down to people's personal preference really don't get me wrong but i would be annoyed releasing something it's down to money as well to be honest Mm. down to money like yeah um with the um the get good drums package Mm. you you can have you can have drums on an album that sounds like Ten thousand, a ten thousand pound yeah. session. Yeah. Like, if if your choice is right, we're going to record these drums down our local practice rooms with some SM fifty eights or something like that, or we're going to use get good drums. Yeah. You're going to use get good drums. But yeah, if yeah. if you're going to go to a, a decent studio where they're going to be recorded properly and and stuff like that, it's then the most expensive thing to, to oh, record yeah. a whole band like vocals. Um, a lot of people do that do vocals themselves now, but I would still like to go to a professional studio with a professional engineer who knows the band or knows the genre that you're in um, to sort of help you sort of push your voice. Because I, I find if, if we're doing it all ourselves, these guys know what I'm capable of and we'll be like, yeah, that sounds like a really good take or we'll just do another couple of takes and that's great. But going to um, going to Carl Groom was really good because he, he would be like, no, you can do a better take than that or try this as well. And there was just different mm. things that me and Carl worked think- on together with the vocals and it was just great fun. He, he just doing yeah, that yeah, perspective, you know? Exactly. I think this is it's the thing. Is like when you go to when you program your drums. Um, yeah, as you say, that get good. I mean, I, I've got the get good drums for my for just demos mm. and stuff, and they sound phenomenal. Like they're mm. really good. Yeah. Um, but I think when you go to a studio, you kind of if you're at home. I mean, some people work from home. Great. I mean, I I work from home. You know, and it's fine. But I think if you go somewhere, if you like, for example, like when I when we when I go to like when we start writing again, when I I'll go to Toby's and Chris's because it takes me somewhere different. And I, mm-hmm. that that helps me. That helps me in a creative process. And I think it's the same as going yeah. to a studio. Like if you go to I'm a studio, the same. I'm exactly the same. I'm exactly yeah. the same. It's, Some people yeah. that doesn't matter, but to me, it's really important to kind of take myself away from what's comfortable and, you know, it does yeah. feel but, better having somewhere to go, doesn't it? Like rather than yeah. making the whole album in your room and then being like, right, put it out. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, and a lot of it is, with, is a feeling, especially but. with what's been going on. Like everyone's been in their own. Mm. Um, their own house or their their own kind of bedroom or whatever yeah. for like the last year, <laughs> like it's not gonna it's not gonna breed creativity as much as it used to, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, well, I think I think it's, some people do. Some people thrive in that. They're like, oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Just, it's, right, just personal, great, it's just personal. It's just personal personal choice, isn't it? I guess. Exactly. You yeah. Can't, yeah. You can't the, really control it. There's another art as well, and obviously, if if a lot of people will program the drums, they'll go and record their own samples and stuff like that of their own kits, and yeah. you know, it's not just chucking it in to get good and being like done. You know, like getting like sampling your own kit and then being able to program it in without spending two weeks. You know, like writing mm. it in. You can spend you can spend two days and stuff. Yeah. That is what a lot of bands do now because they yeah. say they can't afford to go and record drums. They do programming. I mean, not not professional label acts I'm on about, but like bands at our sort of level. I know a lot of bands that uh, that we've played with that program their own drums now. And that's fine. I mean, I've got nothing against those bands. It's just personally for me, and I think the guys agree, but with Awake by Design, it, we want it to be as natural as possible. That person mm-hmm. you're listening to on that album or that song is us playing it directly. 
I, yeah, and I think it's that's it's fine like, for this um, kind of music. But there's there's some other stuff. If you want it to be machine tight, for example, you, you could spend a year with a drummer trying to get it like that, or you could just cut it up and program it in. You know, and yeah. you think that polished yeah, final up. product is going to be yeah. worth it. You know, and it, it goes back to that yeah. timing as well. Like if you if you don't have the time to spend getting it machine tight, because you can rehearse. I mean, look at Meshuggah. I mean, they're machine yeah. tight. But oh yeah, well, yeah. it took six months for what's his face to learn bleed. Mm. You know, some bands at sort of our level probably don't have six months to learn one track. Well, like going back to the going back to the money, it's not that good. Like, <laughs> That's my excuse. Record, like drums, recording drums is expensive <laughs> if the drummer knows everything beat for beat. Mm. If the drummer's not completely, on oh, it, if you're writing into the studio as well, if no, you're going like into the recording. studio to write, then yeah, exactly. You. Yeah. Like Chris has always been fantastic. In every producer we've worked with, um, like in the past, has always said um, how good Chris is doing. Like either the one take for the whole song sometimes, or yeah. a couple of takes for the whole song, which is not easy to come by, really. Like, no, um, and that saves you a lot of money when you're yeah, recording a proper drums. What do you think? I know them straight away. It's the money. The thing is, it's a, it's, a really, it's a useful skill for, I know it sounds sort of, if you're a drummer in particular, because ultimately the reality is you can record guitars really well at home because yeah. you can reamp them quite comfortably. And it's a fraction of the cost of having to go to a studio and you know, spend a few days tracking guitars. But with drums, you want that real proper drum sound. You have to go to a studio, and that and you want the edit. You want the money. editing to be as little as possible, smooth as possible, the... and it keeps costs down. So it is yeah. good that Chris can do that, and it's really, it's a really useful skill. Obviously, Chris being skilled enough to be able to do that is a big advantage for us being able to go into studios and record. Um, well, uh, drummers the reality is. So yeah. I always think as well with the drums. I think it's the most high pressure thing in the studio mm. as well. The drums like, got to be front Aid and center. Might disagree yeah. as far as the vote. The vote obviously. <laughs> the vocals like there is I a think lot of vocals. but i think we've, <laughs> I because of like the machine gun tightness the way drums are mm, like i know they can be edited later and stuff but like the pressure mm. on think of how many notes you play like how many beats you yeah. play it's at like, least in a metal four track oh right yeah, yeah. <laughs> four million <laughs> no it's, it's definitely an experience yeah, yeah. It's, but yeah it's, it's like basically what we've just what we've just told everyone is we're a bunch of utter snobs <laughs> yeah yeah pretty we much. don't we don't be programmed we go to studios don't you know <laughs> <laughs> but no, no thing, like, yeah. that, that album yeah. is with you um for the rest of your musical career like, i'm still yeah. looking back on sentiment that we did in two recorded it in 2008 and 2009 we're still looking back at that and like yeah i would do a lot of things differently now and like my voice has progressed massively since then and so has everybody else that was in that band at that time but I still look back and just think, do you know what? I'm still proud of that for what it was. There's, the yeah, time. there's kind of like mm. an innocence to it as well. Like you yeah. did a lot of stuff just like I think back to doing like some of the guitar parts and you do so much stuff like off the cuff. You don't even think about it. Yeah. And now, like if I if I overthought it, I would never be able to play that way. Like uh -huh. um, it's really weird. What was crazy, that, that album wasn't even recorded to a click track apart from the piano. No, it wasn't. Never. No, it wasn't. The whole album was recorded. We did try, though. We did try. We persevered for a few hours. Yeah, so we had we had John Black at the time. He he was like a, a rock drummer into like Led Zeppelin and stuff. So we had no like double kick, no metal sort of drums, but it just sounded so raw and exactly what we wanted for that type of stuff. Mm. Although, mm. although it was technically gothic symphonic metal, I suppose, but it was I never saw it that way. But that's apparently what it got classed as. But it was just a weird combination. And just oh, it is that work. I think. 
Mm. It, I think it, fits. it is that. Yeah, I think it, it is nearly. It's. I mean, it is a little bit of a mixture of of a few different styles. But I think it's most. I think because we were so into that kind of gothic metal stuff at the time, it does come across. <laughs> it it quite, shows. Like Paradise Lost comes across very much on that album. Yeah, it was low keyboards. It was like mainly low vocals, quite slow to mid rhythms. And I just remember when I did the keyboards, I didn't even do much keyboards up high. And we played in drop B anyway and layered the guitars. But I still did the keyboards all low. Again, it was all an experience. But it still sounds great to me. I still think it's a great album. I, I listened to that album more than I listened to Carver Sun just because it was like the first big thing we did. And it's just like that's where everything came from. So It was weird that uh, you guys never did an EP first. You went straight into an album. Was there, yeah, was there a we reason? Did, we did do it. We did, actually. We, you did? Um, we released... We released three songs from the album before uh, way before the album came out we uh, it was elusive years failures on, drown on youtube i remember them being on youtube and mm. i can't remember what the other one was but those were those three were released with completely different um production oh really um, i didn't know originally that. yeah mm. did we still, that, we? yeah, yeah you we did. put it out I, we put it out on are they on, still on, on our youtube they are yeah <laughs> go and check out our youtube channel apparently they've got our unnamed dp on it it's not on our YouTube channel. I think somebody else uploaded that to YouTube. The original Elusive Years and Failures drowned wow. before they were remixed with different vocals. Yeah. Well, interesting. Oh, it's out there if if, uh, if people do feel the, the need to go and search for it. Anyway. And there's a hell of a lot of songs that um, we did before that album that ne- no one will ever hear. Oh, oh yeah, here we go. On the podcast, but there is the that's the logo you're looking for. It's the very old logo. That's the one I designed. Yeah. <laughs> so if you if you are listening to this, we do uh, broadcast this podcast live on our Twitch channel, our Twitch TV forward slash Awake by Design. Uh, it's also going out on our YouTube as a rebroadcast as well. Um, which will be the same day the podcast goes out, which episode one should be going out next Friday. So that's Friday the 4th? No, that's today. Friday the 11th. That's the one. <laughs> um, so yeah, you can tune in and watch us live or you can go and catch up on it if if you want to as well on there. But yeah, it should all be dropping on... I, like, I've never released a podcast before, so I don't know, but we found a distributor that we're working with and it should be going out to like Spotify Spog... Po- Spotify Spodcasts, Spotify <laughs> Podcasts, <laughs> and uh, like Apple Podcasts, which is l- probably going to be later than everything else because it's Apple <laughs> and that's stuff like Spotify that. Should've, that's what Spotify should have called it, Spodcasts. Spodcasts. There we go. TM, uh, Awake by Design 2020. <laughs> well, you heard it here Spotify, first. If you're watching Spotify, which probably are. <laughs> like. You're going to be one of the, the two people watching, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's our idea first. Right, I think that's probably a good place to call episode two because we've been going for over an hour now. Um, yeah. Anyone else? Anyone want to wrap anything up? Anyone want to want to say anything well, before we've, we've, we've kind of We've made it to we kind of got to the end of the demoing process so i guess we can we can just uh we've we gone can, back in time can, and yeah yeah okay. we can uh we can just carry on carry on with the third installment yeah absolutely um i don't think there's going to be anything set in stone that we're going to talk about it's just we're going to pepper everything with a band history and stuff that we've experienced and just talk random stuff and um yeah. As said before, you can support us if you do wish on uh, Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash awake by design. Um, I should probably say a huge thank you to our first ever Patreon supporter, Tallulah. Thank you very much for helping us out and subscribe to us during 
this podcast. It's it's early days. It's our first one, but we couldn't be happier with it. Uh, every little helps us keep this going because um, obviously we don't have you know any other way of making money from this because podcasts are free and stuff and we we don't really have any sponsors or anything at the moment so um yeah any help is greatly appreciated you all can also subscribe to us on twitch uh, and you can do that with your amazon prime account if you have that and it will cost you nothing extra we just get a little bit of that sweet sweet jeff money comes to us instead of <laughs> instead of good old that jeff jeff nectar yes that's sweet jeff <laughs> nectar mm. Mm. It's very, very tasty. <laughs> but yeah, thank you for joining us on episode two of the podcast. We are going to be back probably in January for episode three, but we will let you know. Um, maybe over Christmas, possibly. Maybe, yeah. Keep an eye on our social media and stuff like that, and uh, we, we'll let you know. But thank you very much, and we'll see you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. See you later. Bye. Smoke me a kipper. <laughs> I'll be back for Christmas. Stoke me a clipper. Uh, Stoke me a clipper. (laughs) Goodbye, Mr. Ace Rumor.